0: Welcome to The Associates' Corner, the project where our mission is to empower you with tools, ideas, and strategies to elevate your associateship and your career. Join us, let's get started. Welcome back to the Associates Corner. Thanks so much for tuning in for another TAC pod. We're already toward the end of May as I'm recording this. We're coming up on Memorial Day weekend, and as we are, I'd like to take a moment to say thank you and remember all the brave men and women who have truly made the ultimate sacrifice for our country and for our freedom and certainly taking time to honor their memory this weekend on Memorial Day is, is important. It's also, you know, coming up to the start of a new month with that. And certainly time is clicking right along. With that, we'll jump right into our topic without too much more preamble here. Starting with a quick clinical, this is not a clinical pearl. This is more like a clinical reminder. I think it's common knowledge but pro reminder pro tip don't forget that local anesthetic delivery is more comfortable the slower you go for the patient i know there are a lot of um products out there the wand device that will actually just express the local anesthetic for you at a certain slow rate after injection um especially in some of the tighter soft tissue areas remember in this case slow is smooth smooth is fast is incredibly true and um it helps the patient you can prep them i mean i think some perception might be oh the faster we get this done the better no keep the patient comfortable remember slow injection will be more comfortable so just a reminder there like i said i don't think that's a Probably falls into the category of pearl, But I think it's a good reminder. Uh, go slow to go fast. go slow to keep that patient comfortable. Hopefully that's a good reminder. we'll We'll jump into our main topic now for this episode. and in this this topic is somewhat of a little bit nostalgic for me, but also incredibly present in my everyday practice. The topic is a phrase I actually think we do well to wipe out of our vocabulary, and that phrase is, I don't know what to do. To explain this, I'm going to jump back to an anecdote in my clinical training. So this is actually all the way back in school. I mentioned it on the podcast before. I I really enjoy surgery in school. I really got as involved as I could. Um, I was part of what was called the oral maxillofacial surgery selective team. It was for third and fourth year. Um, you got to go into a hosp- the hospital setting with the OMFS residents, more time in the surg- surgery clinics. Um, really cool. It was awesome. I, I absolutely loved it. I think there were 10 of us who did that. Regardless, some of my key learning points came from experiences through that opportunity. Some of the attendings, I, I have such fond memories of working with them. To be honest, they demanded a lot. And I thought that that was fantastic. Um, that's that's the way I like to operate, if I'm being honest. And And by operate there, I do mean... Uh in day to day, that's how I like to act or function, but also how I like to clinically operate when I'm doing surgery i I am not what I would call low intensity in those situations. I'm focused, you know i'm I'm focused at any rate. I loved working with the attendings. I thought they were straight shooters, cut to the chase a lot of the time and and really gave some good insights so to paint a picture. I was in the operating room, and in the operating room, you know, there are lots of people, um, residents, attendings, fellows, and then, of course, I was the lowly dental student, right? Um, funny side note, I'm pretty short. I'm about 5'2", and, of course, the operating table is usually at the height for whoever is doing the most work, so whether that be the fellow or the resident or or in some cases the attending, so I've spent many, many an hour perched on what is it, like a eight inch by six inch like little bench. Uh doesn't give you a lot of room to move your feet around, but I got really good at just keeping my knees loose, bending my knees so I wouldn't lock out. Anyway, um we were in the operating room one day and there was some I honestly don't even remember this specific clinical situation. But there was a mildly adverse complication that was happening during the case, and it took some recalibration. It took some reset, redirection of our initial surgical plan. And I remember after the fact, after things calmed down and we're back on track, one of my favorite attendings looked at me in the eye, and he locked eyes with me, and he's like, Fermenko, remember, if you ever don't know what to do, try thinking. And in some ways, I think he was referencing that in that day, things had maybe gone a little bit off plan. And that happens. I mean, anatomy, human bodies don't read the textbook. You know, everyone's a little bit different. And certainly pathology doesn't always follow um, the course we might expect. But at any rate, that phrase When you don't know what to do, try thinking encompasses so much for me. And I still reflect on this and and honestly try to enact it in my everyday to this day. What it says to me is we're going to encounter scenarios that maybe don't go to plan, maybe don't follow exactly what we think might happen. But when we find ourselves in those situations, the task is avoid that dead-end thought process of, Mom, I don't know what to do, and instead think, try thinking, be active, take an active role in responding quickly and, and in a decided way use your previous knowledge, use that training, fall back on what you know to make the situation an outcome that's favorable. So, you know, um, I've thought on this a lot. I continue to, like I said, try to put this into practice in everyday life. I love Reading about you know personal improvement and development, and at some point i I actually keep like a notebook right of just thoughts and this was before I was writing sources down with that, but so i I don't know the source of this next quote. It's actually an image that has "I don't know what to do, crossed out, and underneath it it has four other statements with checks by them, and it says, "I'm seeking input, I will have to decide." I'd like more information. I've never encountered this before. Those are more productive replacements for I don't know what to do. Even just the phrase, I don't know what to do. I mean, let's unpack why that is a dead end. I'd like to unpack why it's a dead end because if we don't unpack the, the why, why avoid it? To be honest, it could be the easiest fallback when you encounter a situation that's unknown. I don't know what to do. But that's, that's so non-helpful. At its core, I find it passive. I don't know what to do. That has no action in it. So you don't know what to do. What do you have? What will you do? Those are the questions if you're still in the game, still in the fight, still in the task. The phrase, I don't know what to do, is is passive. I literally, in my mind's eye, the body language of that is a slouch, is a is a non-approach or exasperation which I think can be even more toxic than simply passive Um, the other reason I think I don't know what to do is at its core non non non-beneficial maybe this is a little pessimistic of me but from a realist perspective we never know what to do We may have a plan. We may be operating in a previously known schema of what we expect, but you never know an outcome. I think it's important. I mean, I know maybe I stated, okay, this might be pessimistic, but I think it's so important to realize that you're always in a potential state of the unknown and to be ready. I think you have to be poised to act and pivot as soon as it's needed and to be incredibly alert. If... In a clinical situation, you ever find yourself not poised to act or pivot, ready to react, check yourself because then you're operating in a passive state. And I think that's a dangerous place to operate for the patient, for your team, and for you. So I'd, I'd avoid that if you can. Not even if you can't. I'd just avoid that. Realize that there's always that potential state of the unknown and, and be alert. be be watchful and and thinking. The other reason I think I don't know what to do is essentially a dead-end phrase, leaders make decisions. You are a clinical leader, certainly. Um, And maybe you're not a dentist and you're listening to that, listening to this. And if so, welcome, glad you're here. Um, That's, I think there's a lot to be taken from this, even if you're not in a clinical setting maybe even more so if you're not in a clinical setting, because we're all leaders of our own lives, right? We're to lead, we first lead ourselves. And the phrase, I don't know what to do, is throwing up our hands. It's saying, well, I don't know what to do. So leaders make decisions, even when it's tough, especially when it's tough. So without a doubt in the clinical setting, this phrase has no place. Maybe consider one of the other four. If, if you really find yourself in a situation where your own resources can't address the situation, then consider thinking instead. I'll seek input. I'll have to decide. I'd like more information. I've never encountered this before. I've never done this before. Those would at least be more accurate phrases because as the clinical leader, your, your role is to get a situation to a positive outcome. And ultimately, I think, I think this goes back to the idea of, of trust your training, trust in your training. The key there, I mean, it goes without saying, but you better have put in the training and preparation for whatever you're doing. It's imperative. It is what allows us to perform at a level that we expect of ourselves. And from my perspective, we we must provide to our patients. It's key to have that preparation in place. You might want to refer to actually one of the other podcasts about doing a procedure three times. I, I share more of my thoughts on how we can grow and, and prepare for clinical tasks. But ultimately, situations are going to arise that we haven't encountered before. So in those moments, apply what you do know and the skills you have to the current situation directing the, outqu- directing the outcome toward one that's favorable. Ultimately, what you can do is, if facing a scenario that maybe the phrase, I don't know what to do, might be applied in. No, change the problem to one that you can solve. Take that small step to say, okay, here's where I am. What are the facts? What are the limitations, constraints, availability of resources? What's my knowledge? Take those factors. Take that as a recipe then. Those are the ingredients. And use your training as the recipe to get yourself to one step closer to a problem you can resolve. It ultimately goes back to that phrase that I heard a day in the operating room. For when you don't know what to do, try thinking. And I love that because it takes one small step to choose rational reason, falling back on training, redefining the problem, To go from the emotional response, I don't know what to do, to productive problem-solving and leadership. I've been talking about this mostly in a clinical scenario. That's where I actually find this easiest to apply. Maybe it's because of the mindset I'm in. When I'm in a clinical setting, I stay incredibly focused. And that's not really hard for me. It's a practiced... It's a practiced uh, habit at this point, the, the mindset when I'm, when I'm in that scenario. Personal life, this is well applied as, as well. Maybe that's the harder place to apply it. Clinical scenarios are pretty well defined for us. Sometimes, most times I'll say. I think in treatment planning, this is another place this comes in clinically, not just in operative. So consider that application as well. But outside the office walls in life, there are many times where it feels like, I don't know what to do. There's no rule book for life. And Inevitably, we can be certain that there are challenges and unknowns. We can never have all the information about a choice in life. We can never have knowledge of what's behind door A, B, and C in the choices we make. Analysis paralysis isn't just clinical, we have to make choices in our own life to move forward productively. I don't know what to do, is sometimes hard to avoid. Because like we talked about earlier, do we ever know what to do? Maybe when we feel like we know what to do, we're just operating more in a false sense of security because, oh, it feels like I've done this before. I've seen this play out in a different setting, whatever the case may be. But how, we, how are we training ourselves in our own lives to be ready, to be prepared. When a scenario in life is new or overwhelming or difficult, try thinking. Try removing that emotional veil and looking at whatever the decision fork in the road, whatever that scenario might be, consider looking at it with the preparation you have that you've developed in life. How else do you practice tenacity? How else do you practice resilience? How do you practice, you know, um, rational decision-making? Those are, those are great things to practice in life. And, and the way I see a good way to practice, that is controlled um, experiences of self-imposed adversity so that when life throws you adversity, you have that experience and and muscle memory or neuro memory, whatever the case may be. All thoughts to consider. Like I said, from a clinical standpoint, to me, this is non-negotiable. It's imperative. When you don't know what to do, try thinking. You are the clinical leader. Step into that role and be prepared. Understand that you always have to be alert and ready. And then in life, too, the same applies Sometimes it may be not so easy, but it is worth it. It truly is. I'd be curious to know what you think. If maybe this is something that you find interesting or you've seen play out in life, it's it's an interesting thought. Well, like I said, um, you can connect with us. Uh, we are on Instagram at the Associates Corner. We're also theassociatescorner.com, where you can find us and our blog. We'd love to hear from you, and thanks for listening in. Hope you have a great weekend, and remember, when you're back in the office, keep the patient first. It really all does work out after that. Take care, guys. Bye.